You're listening to the voice of dog. Today's story is the first of two parts of The Arsenal of Obsolescence by Mary E. Loud. The author of the Otters in Space trilogy, the Entangled Universe trilogy, and many other furry sci-fi books and short stories. You can find more of Mary's stories on Deep Sky Anchor and in the Deep Sky Anchor podcast. You can read more about the cats and dogs of the Starship Initiative, boldly going where no cat or dog has gone before, in Tri-Galactic Trek, published by Fur Planet Press. Today's story will be read for you by the author herself. Please enjoy The Arsenal of Obsolescence by Mary E. Loud, Part 1 of 2. Lieutenant Vaughn crashed through the undergrowth of the wild alien rainforest. The uplifted yellow Labrador felt like the branches were grabbing at her, tearing her trigalactic navy uniform. She hated this planet. Usually she liked planets. Ground missions were her favorite, getting off the stuffy artificial halls of the Starship Initiative and setting paw to dirt. She lived for that stuff. Fresh air, walking about in the sunshine. But right now, all she could think about was Commander Wilker and Consul Tor stuck in a hole in the ground. A deep, dark ditch. A trap lined with primitive pointed sticks that kept her from climbing safely down after them. The uplifted collie and otteroid alien had fallen, and possibly hurt themselves. Vaughn couldn't tell without falling into the trap as well. So instead, Lieutenant Vaughn had been running through the forest crashing through underbrush that squeaked strangely at the approach of her paws, trying to get away from the purple storm clouds blocking the signal from her comm pin. She needed to contact the ship. She needed to get her whole team teleported out of here. Stop! cried a haunting voice. A holographic projection flickered into existence between the trees up ahead. The projected figure wore an unfamiliar uniform over its barrel-chested body. It had small ears and a long, nearly prehensile nose covered in very thin gray fur. Lieutenant Vaughn stopped, dead still in her tracks. Where was the projection coming from? Why was it here? This planet was supposed to be deserted. Scans had shown that a civilization had existed here long ago, but their buildings were old and crumbling. No signs of intelligent life. Please, the holographic alien creature looked a little like a taper. I need your help. Lieutenant Vaughn's eyes widened. Why did a holographic projection need her help? I've been here so long, so long, completely alone. Lieutenant Vaughn tilted her head, ears perking. Are you a recording? she asked. Or an AI? I am everything. Everything? Lieutenant Vaughn felt her hackles raise. This holographic projection was creeping her out. And it was distracting her from helping her friends. Worse, if the AI talking to her was really everything, then it was responsible for trapping them. All the computers, all the automated systems. The taper's voice grew hollow and haunted. The subway trains, the air traffic control, every toaster, every microwave, even the refrigerators. I can control them all. 
my consciousness drifts through all of them. You're an AI that ties together every part of this dead world? Maybe the taper wasn't responsible for trapping Commander Wilker and Consul Tor. A primitive pit lined with sharp sticks didn't seem like its area of expertise. The holographic taper laughed bitterly. Dead, yes. I suppose that's what an organic life form would call a world inhabited by only me. I am so very alone. But if the AI wasn't responsible for the trap that had captured the rest of Lieutenant Vaughn's ground team, who was? Cautiously, reluctantly, Lieutenant Vaughn asked the taper, You said you needed my help. What for? Turn me off. The taper curled its long nose into a fist and turned its face away. Holographic tears glinted in its holographic eyes. I can't stand the loneliness anymore. Lieutenant Vaughn didn't know how she felt about an artificial intelligence with the scale of an entire world for its brain, asking her to help it commit suicide. But then, maybe, it would be more like a long sleep. Maybe there was a society in the Trigalactic Union that would like a new world to expand to, already filled with super smart tech and pre-built cities, and they could wake the world AI back up when they got here. The yellow Labrador almost woofed the idea at the taper. But at the last moment, she held her tongue. She didn't want to get its hopes up. She didn't know if she could actually deliver a whole society that would want to live peacefully, symbiotically with a world AI, without gutting it and laying in their own computech as a replacement. Instead, Lieutenant Vaughn said, Can you help me first? My friends... They're trapped in a stick-lined ditch back there. She gestured with a paw over her shoulder, back towards the direction she'd been tearing through the woods. It's such a simple trap, I can hardly believe it worked, and I'm ashamed that I haven't been able to help them. But the storm clouds are blocking communication with my ship in orbit. She shook her head, flopping her ears. She was the security officer on this mission, and so far she had failed horribly. The expression on her face would have been solemn, except for those goofy, floppy ears. Primitive, she muttered grimly, but effective. I can send drones, loaded with tools and climbing supplies, the taper said. Really? Vaughn's floppy ears perked in delight. My cities have warehouses full of trade goods with simple robots who can load the supplies into the drones. It is nothing to me. Show me where to send them. Lieutenant Vaughn forged back through the forest, following the trail of broken underbrush she'd left on her charge before. The strange squeaking at her feet returned, but she couldn't tell if it came from a type of plant, the texture of the ground, or something associated with the holographic taper. The taper flickered, disappearing from a spot ten feet behind the yellow Labrador, only to reappear between the trees ten feet ahead. In this manner, the hologram followed Lieutenant Vaughn until she was only about twenty feet from the trap. "'I can follow you no further this way,' the taper called out. "'You're entering a dead zone for my holographic emitters, but I can track your location and send the drones to you. When your friends are saved,' 
Please return, and I can tell you how to turn me off. Lieutenant Vaughn nodded. Thank you, she said. I'll be up ahead checking on my friends and waiting. The trap was only a few feet ahead, but the ground dipped and the trees thickened around it, blocking the view of where the holographic taper had been. Lieutenant Vaughn stepped carefully, not wanting to get too close, in case the taper didn't come through with the drones. It was important she not fall in the trap as well. The squeaking increased exponentially as she moved forward. Lieutenant Vaughn held her paws to her ears. What is that sound? She woofed. Squeak! Squeaky squeak! Answered a tiny gerbil-like creature that emerged from the underbrush, wielding and waving a spear approximately the size of a sharpened pencil. More and more squeaking creatures followed the first until Lieutenant Vaughn was surrounded by tiny spear-shaking puffballs dancing about in the underbrush. It was hard to feel threatened by a paw-sized puffball with a spear that Lieutenant Vaughn could easily snap in half. Even a dozen of them. But nonetheless, Lieutenant Vaughn began to feel troubled as it dawned on her that these funny, harmless-looking creatures had clearly laid the trap that captured Commander Wilker and Consul Tor. The translation algorithms in Lieutenant Vaughn's comm pen weren't offering any translation of their squeaks, so the dog had to assume the squeaky gerbils were prelingual. Although, pretty good at sharpening sticks. And digging pits to line with sharpened sticks. Perhaps the security officer should take them more seriously. Before she could figure out a plan for communicating with them, a whirring sound from above the treetops caught Lieutenant Vaughn's attention. The drones had arrived. Tiny helicopters with bundles of supplies hanging beneath them descended between the trees. Help had come. Except the squeaking rodents at Lieutenant Vaughn's feet began hurling their spears at the drones and effectively knocked two of the three from the sky. The third one made a hasty retreat, returning to hovering back up above the treetops. Hey! Lieutenant Vaughn woofed at the gerbils. I need those supplies! But the gerbils had already swarmed the downed drones and began rifling through their packages. Rope, grappling hooks, med kits, all of the supplies once unwrapped, were squirreled away into the underbrush by the primitive gerbil creatures. Maybe they weren't as primitive as Lieutenant Vaughn had thought. Perhaps the translator algorithms in her comm pin were malfunctioning. The yellow Labrador tapped at the comm pin on the breast of her uniform, seeing if she could jostle it into working but nothing changed. The squeaking still sounded like squeaking. Lieutenant Vaughn woofed a few ultimatums at the spear-shaking gerbils about how they'd better not hurt her friends, and then she stomped back through the woods to where she'd last seen the holographic taper. Hey, world AI, she called. What can you tell me about the little fuzzy guys who shot down your drones? The taper reappeared, nose-fisted, and spat the word vermin. The hologram shook its head. Villainous vermin who infest my planet and attack my automated components. I've tried to exterminate them many times, but they find the blacked-out areas of my world, hide there, and then their numbers grow, no matter how many times I wipe them out. They just keep coming. Beneath her yellow fur, Lieutenant Vaughn grew cold. 
What the taper was describing wasn't the dynamic between an exterminator and a pest. Not when the pest was smart enough to craft weapons and build traps. Lieutenant Vaughn and her colleagues had gotten mixed up in the middle of a war. No wonder the gerbil creatures didn't have any advanced technology, only sharpened sticks. All of the advanced technology on this world had turned on them. Thunder clapped, and a streak of lightning flashed down from the roiling purple clouds in the sky. Rain began to fall. The pit where Commander Wilker and Consul Tor were trapped would soon become even more miserable, although the photosynthetic otteroid alien, Consul Tor, might not mind the water. She was both an otter and a plant, after all. Thinking as carefully as she could, Lieutenant Vaughn said, Can you understand the vermin's language? No, the taper said, rain streaking right through its photonic form. They keep changing it. When they found out I could listen to them, they started evolving and twisting their language like dirty little ciphers. If that was true, the gerbil creatures weren't primitive at all. They were merely being suppressed by an evil AI. An evil AI who Lieutenant Vaughn was working with. An evil AI who had asked Lieutenant Vaughn to kill it. Oh boy, these kinds of ethics were above a well-meaning security dog's pay grade. She just wanted to protect her crewmates, not figure out which side to take in a war, and whether it was immoral to help an intellectually complex being kill itself for ulterior reasons. All of this would be easier if her comm pin could signal the initiative in orbit, and then the captain, a very wise cat, could tell her what to do. Since the vermin have taken the supplies you sent me, Lieutenant Vaughn said, still saying each word slowly, testing them out as if she were worried she might step into a verbal ditch lined with sharpened sticks. Maybe you could help me contact my ship in orbit. The storm is blocking my signal, but if I could reach them, then they could teleport my friends out. Lieutenant Vaughn didn't know a whole lot about AIs but she knew that one stretched across an entire world must have a lot of processing power available to it, and that meant it could probably think a whole lot faster than she could. So when the AI paused a long time before saying, I will do my best to help you contact your ship, and then paused again before saying, but it may be very difficult. This was not a good sign. In fact, it seemed a lot like a sign that the AI was lying. And the more Lieutenant Vaughn thought about it, the less it seemed like the AI had any incentive to help her contact the initiative up in orbit at all. In fact, it was very likely the AI itself was responsible for blocking her comm pin's transmission. She was being held hostage by a suicidal planetary computer system. Great. There were so many officers aboard the initiative who would be so much better suited to handling this situation. The Sphinx Cat Captain, obviously. He was so wise. The Android Fox. Z would probably be able to empathize with the world AI in a way an organic being simply couldn't. And the Chief Engineer. 
An orange cat simply had a way with machines like no one else. That's why he, in fact, the android fox, were best friends. But also, both Commander Bill Wilker, the Collie First Officer, and Consul Eliana Tor, the mildly telepathic otteroid, who were lying unconscious at the bottom of the pit, they'd both be better at handling this situation than a simple security officer. Lieutenant Vaughn knew how to protect her crewmates from danger. That was her specialty. That's what she was good at. It was basically all she could do, but today she'd done it badly. And now she was facing a much more challenging problem as a result, and she was facing it alone. Doggone it, the world AI was right. It was terribly lonely, feeling like she was all alone. And for the world AI, time probably passed differently. A few minutes for Lieutenant Vaughn might feel like years to an AI the size of a planet. Why, that was enough time for the AI to have changed its mind back and forth many thousands of times, over and over again, about whether it wanted to help Lieutenant Vaughn rescue her friends or just kill her out of boredom. Okay, Lieutenant Vaughn realized she was spinning out of control here. She needed to ground herself. Clearly, she couldn't outthink an AI the size of a planet. And now that she knew it was oppressing the gerbil society, she couldn't trust it either. But the gerbils could outthink it. They'd proved that by learning how to alter their language so the AI couldn't keep up. Maybe the little fuzzballs with spears, who had trapped Lieutenant Vaughn's colleagues, could help her. Gee whiz, Lieutenant Vaughn did not like her choices on this planet. But right now, the gerbils with spears seemed marginally more likely to be trustworthy to her than the suicidal AI. They hadn't lied to her. Yet. The holographic taper announced, I haven't been able to unblock your communications device yet, but my third drone has found a way around the vermin territory and will arrive with supplies shortly. High-pitched buzzing and rhythmic chopping filled the air as the small automated helicopter descended from above the trees. It landed, and Lieutenant Vaughn immediately dug into the package of supplies. Rope, a grappling hook, and some basic medical supplies, including bandages and antibiotic ointments. Thank you, Lieutenant Vaughn woofed. I'll take these supplies to my friends, and then I'll come back to help you. She wasn't sure about that last part. And she didn't feel good about lying. But she didn't feel safe telling a planet-sized AI engaged in a war with the world's organic inhabitants the truth, either. She didn't trust it, and she knew it was powerful. Feeling lost, confused, and overwhelmed, Lieutenant Vaughn backtracked to the gerbil's territory, with the package of supplies slung over her shoulder. When she got there, surrounded by anger, squeaking, and furious spear-pointing all around her, Lieutenant Vaughn knelt down to get closer to their level, in spite of the pointy spears. Then she started talking, rambling, really, trying to say as many words as she could, as fast as she could, while still making sure they made sense. If they were smart enough to foil an AI by altering their spoken language, hopefully, they'd also be smart enough to start translating hers. So, Lieutenant Vaughn talked about her friends in the pit, her ship in the sky, her hopes and dreams from back when she was a little puppy, and all the wonderful adventures she'd been on as the security chief aboard the initiative. 
the gerbils stopped squeaking and started giving each other meaningful glances. Of course, Lieutenant Vaughn could only guess at the meaning behind those glances, but her guesses were something like, What is wrong with this dog? Why does she keep rambling at us? Maybe we should help her out, you know, just so she'll stop talking. At least, Lieutenant Vaughn hoped that's what the glances meant. Eventually, moving slowly, and trying to be as unthreatening as possible, Lieutenant Vaughn reached up and removed the comm pin from the breast of her uniform. She held the gold insignia out toward the nearest gerbil, a brown and white puffball, with particularly intricate decorations carved into the haft of her spear. The gerbil hesitated and then came forward to examine the comm pin. After a few moments, the gerbil squeaked excitedly and gestured for one of her compatriots to come forward too. The second gerbil, black with gray speckles and wispy tufts on her ears, took the comm pin from Lieutenant Vaughn's much larger paw. She turned the device over several times, and then deftly opened the backing and began poking at the wiring and circuitry inside. This was the first of two parts of The Arsenal of Obsolescence by Mary E. Loud, read for you by the author herself. Tune in next time to find out how Lieutenant Natalie Vaughn manages to rescue her fellow officers and escape from the hostile jungle world where they're stranded. As always, you can find more stories on the web at thevoice.dog or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.